Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. Um, a little different episode this time, because uh, we're going to talk to an author, and we're going to talk to an author about a book. And this is a book I was contacted to um, help contribute towards some time ago. And I was interviewed by the author and we had a good old chat, actually a very enjoyable chat. I think I was walking through the English countryside for a good old hour, gassing away and chatting away and such like. And I was chatting to Francine Rosso, who is my guest this evening. And so, hi, Francine, how are you? I am excellent, and I enjoyed my little visit to you in England very much. Great. And you were writing a book called Love After 50, How to Find It, Enjoy It, and Keep It. And um, it's no surprise to say that uh, part of my work to do is, part of my work is relationship counselling and therapy and such like. So um, we got chatting, we talked about resilience, all sorts of different things. And uh, I think you probably interviewed quite a lot of contributors, but um I think it was, uh, it was, you know, I'd like to help you promote the book and um, help people bring it to their attention. So why, why don't you tell us a little bit about the idea behind it to start off with? It came from my own life. I was unfortunately widowed twice, and now I'm in a new partnership, not so new, five years. And um, I learned a great deal about myself in the process. I learned about dating. I learned about being resilient. And I learned how to find and enjoy love and to use all of the tools out there, with, like online dating, which a lot of people either don't use or are afraid of or misuse. And so I wanted to share my experience with people because a lot of people came to me and said, Francine, how did you do it? And I think it, um, and I think you 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 were widowed, um, yes. and that's different to some people who are sitting in sterile, unhappy marriages who sit there thinking, "I'd rather sit in this miserable existence than risk the external world." On the and and I, and I suppose one of your messages is that there is hope out there. There's life out there. That you know, there's you know, if you if you're even past in your fifties, sixties, there, there's the opportunity to re reconnect with new people. There's not only, there's a huge opportunity because divorce rates for people in their 50s have skyrocketed in the last couple of decades and remain at record levels. And so there are all these single people out there who are in their 50s, in their 60s, and in their 70s. And many of them 
are online mostly, but not only, looking for partners. So there are plenty of people out there. But I suppose the first thing you have to do in order to, um, to re-engage with the, with the active world is you have to get over the relationships you've had before. So, so how, does, how do you start that bit? Yes, well, chapter one of my book is called Do the Headwork. And this is something you know all about. And I talk about how to get over being divorced mainly um, because people cannot start dating, at least not well. If, if you are bitter, if you remain angry, if you feel devastated by hurt and lack confidence. So all of that, whether you're widowed or divorced is about making yourself okay. Like I, for example, used to be incredibly needy in my first marriage, which wasn't a great thing. It was one of our issues. And I was very needy after Alan died. But I, I had to, because of that, I had to learn to make my life okay as a single person. And for me, I rediscovered my love of cycling when I was on a trip to Amsterdam. And whenever I was on my bicycle with the wind in my hair, riding by the river, I was okay. I was happy. I always had something to do that I didn't need somebody else for. And that was my particular thing. Whatever yours is, you will find it. Just make a way to feel yourself okay. You, it's okay to be, to be lonely and to want to partner as long as you're not desperate. I think that's that's good advice, isn't it? I think most people who are just concerned with being in a relationship because they need it, I think people sense that, don't they? And it's not a, it's not the best basis to get started, is it? Well, I have been told it's unattractive. <laughs> and I used to say, but I am needy. How do I fix this? And I had to find a way. And sometimes I would go out on a Saturday night in New York City and I would watch a movie by myself and sit in an outdoor cafe and chat to people. I'd flirt with babies and pet dogs and talk to couples out and watch the fashion parade go by. And I can't tell you I wasn't a little lonely, but I was okay. Yes. Yes, you have to be comfortable with yourself to build yes. the resilience you need to actually tackle a new relationship. Because it could, I'm guessing it can be pretty daunting after a certain point to start doing the things about meeting, dating, reconnecting, you know, all that sort of stuff. But, I mean, you, you talk about using social media. I suppose it's uh, for a certain age group, it's uh, or online dating apps for a certain age group. It's pretty new, I guess. For some, although it's been around for a while, yeah. I have, there are people who are afraid of it. And I say, don't be afraid. Just use your common sense. If somebody is too good to be true and writes to you and says, you're beautiful, I'm in love with you, who's never met you, pass that person by. Yeah. If somebody writes to you from a foreign country and has a sad story that money will fix, no go. Yeah. But, you know, use good judgment and... Uh, there you will find many many people and don't worry about rejection you can handle it i think and i think that's important that that bit because the thing about uh these online sites is that there are people scam artists on there who are very good at tapping into neediness you know either for children or for relationships or whatever it might be they're, they're very good at picking that up and tugging at your heartstrings and and that thing about money is absolutely the key isn't it as soon as someone asks you for money that's that's the end of it, really, isn't That's it? That's the end of it. Go, that's the do sign. not proceed. Yeah. Yes. 
and they're very yeah. skilled and they're very skilled and we shouldn't warn people off they shouldn't frighten people off but you have to it's like real life, isn't it? If you meet someone in, in the local, I was going to say discotheque, that shows my age. But you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> if you meet someone in real life and they start asking you for money, it's, it's just, you know, it's the same warning sign, just, you know. Right. I, but even in the regular old person who's not a scam artist, there are so many people out there and very often people date two or three or four or five people at a time. Yeah. And so I have a little exercise that I give, I used to do for myself. If somebody that I liked didn't call me back for another date, I made a whole list of reasons and I wrote them down, a whole list of reasons, all having nothing to do with something wrong with me that explained why this person didn't call me back. One, he was in a, he had dated somebody else for a couple of months. They were now exclusive. Number two, um, he had a problem with his kids. Number three, that cough turned into pneumonia. And there were like a whole bunch of others ending with, he's dead. It was my list. I could put it any way I wanted. That's a brilliant, that is a brilliant way of thinking about that. So I think that's, that's really useful. I think the key here is that when we're in relationships or when we're looking for relationships, we get needy and we blame ourselves. And most of the time, it's nothing to do with us. Because, you know, the whole point of this, um, this forum is that you can meet as many people as you want. And that's an opportunity, isn't it? You can meet some really lovely people for, for where there's no romantic connection, but you can remain friends. Well, I found it hard to remain friends, but usually there, for me, there's always been a connection or not. But um, the, the great, the thing is that you have to remember that it's about chemistry, either good chemistry or bad chemistry. So you meet someone and you're charming and you're lovely and you're friendly and he doesn't call you back because he's turned on by women who are aloof and disdainful, you know? So, and, and on the other hand, you can meet somebody and you connect instantly. You both come from large families. You are both the oldest sibling. You get started talking about your families and you feel like you could talk on and on and on. And that's good chemistry. Yeah. So let's say, you, let's say we've, um, we've um, cleaved, the, cleaved the wheat from the chaff and, uh -huh. we've found, and we've narrowed the list of possibles down and we've ended up with the person who we think is someone who we genuinely want to spend time with. How do, how do, we, how do we keep that person? How do we enjoy it? Well, let's, let's start there. Well, first of all, you have to, I have a chapter called Try a Relationship because at our age, we very soon get used to, um, if you're fishing, catch and release. So after a couple of months, where you've been in an intimate relationship, you can see right away if they're going to be trouble signs or signs that it's good. And I, I say, move on very quickly. Like, I, for example, there was a woman with a, a dating a guy for a few months and he was successful, he was charming, but he had told her he was not a smoker and she wouldn't date a smoker. And he, during dinner, he would disappear to his car and come back with, cigarettes on his breath and she she said that's it i don't want a smoker and i don't want a liar exactly yeah. and another person told me that she had this fabulous this guy who was fabulous but he was very rigid and he was seething with rage inside mm. and she said to herself can i live with this and the answer was no yeah. move on yeah. i always think it's like buying a house that it's funny how you you often find the dream house, the perfect house, it's marvellous, it's the greatest one ever. And then suddenly, for some reason, that house falls by the wayside and you're bitterly disappointed. And then three months later, you found the next dream house. And I, I think it's the same with 
potential partners. Yes. I think that there are exactly. many for us. It's where, where, and also, you know, sometimes you, it's about building a great relationship with someone who you genuinely like. I mean, it doesn't always have to be, you know, sometimes a relationship can grow from mutual interests and just getting on really well. Yes, and there are also the signs that you're getting closer and closer, you want to spend more time together, or there's some issues, but you're really good at talking them out. Yeah. And that's a great sign. Yeah. And so is this all part of the enjoyment thing? This the enjoyment phase? Is that, is that what you're saying? So you're not sweating the relationship, you're just sitting back and just being mindful about it and just enjoying it as it's taking, as it's unfolding. Well, that's, that is certainly part of it, but also I, I have a chapter about how our age, at our age, we, sex can actually be better. And it, it's about developing a new concept of sexuality, which isn't all about intercourse and, um, and enjoying each other as erotic partners. And people, a lot of people tell me they do that. And also it's not about performance anymore. You can laugh about it if it doesn't go well. You can, you can touch and hold each other and also be a tremendous emotional support if life hands you some really bitter blows, which it sometimes does. Yeah, and I think, yeah. I think it's important to say if anyone's triggered by the thought of older people having a sexual relationship, well, tough. So- uh, <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sort of normal, really. Better get over yourself. So uh, great. Okay, so you can enjoy, you can have some fun. And then, and then how do you build this? Because obviously there's something different about a relationship with, say, if you start in your 70s, there's a difference in the, the whole structure of a relationship, which is starting in your 20s, which is often about children and being together for the rest of your life. But the rest of your life element can be a little bit more bittersweet, can't it, at the, in your starting in your 70s? It can be. The wonderful thing about this time of life is you're not raising children yeah. and you're not building your fortune together. You come together only for the relationship only, for the, for the love and companionship and mutual support. And if you have that, and you do, then you can also have the whole life you've built up. There are many, many options for couples. They, they can marry, but many more are cohabiting and, and a, quite a number are living apart together in committed relationships where they each maintain their own home. They, they see their children, they, they see their friends, they do their activities, and then they spend this precious time together and there's a Swedish um, scholar who's studied life after 60 for these couples. And he says, time actually enhances the relationship. On the one hand, you have more time together every day. On the other hand, you have the sense that your years together are limited. And that makes this relationship incredibly precious. And you, you feel grateful to each other and you are thoughtful of each other and don't worry about the small annoyances. So many people have said to me, he did this in the kitchen and it annoyed me. And then I thought about the great relationship I have and I just let it go. Yeah. And it's that thing about is wisdom's wasted on the, the young, you know, the, we have all this wisdom and it's the youngsters that need it. Um, and I guess one of the challenges um, for 
older relationships is actually the baggage that comes from children, grandchildren, uh, worries about inheritance, inheritances and, you know, money grabbing and, you know, all that sort of thing and this sort of um, dilution of attention and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I, equally, I'm sure there's a, lot, there's a lot of positive stuff, but do you cover that sort of thing in the book as well? I have a whole book in Love After 50 called Deal With the Kids or Work Around Them. Good. And I, I have actually, the Wall Street Journal is about to publish an article on the 10 keys to having good step-family relationship. Number one is get the dispel your kids' inheritance anxieties. If you're going to leave money to your kids, go to a lawyer, get the documentation in, show your kids, and just make them not worry about that or resent your partner. The other thing is to go slowly and to have limited expectations about blending your families. Yeah. People say to me, I didn't, I didn't expect his kids, his kids to love me or even like me. All they had to do was be polite. And over time, we, we did grow into a very nice relationship. Yes. And I think it's that, that, that expectation, which is the key. I mean, there's been a piece of research done in the, um, in the UK recently that talked about how do you define, how do you make people happier? And, it, and, and the, the key conclusion was you just lowered everybody's expectations. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it did make me chuckle. And actually, that's the point, isn't it? It's if we go into these relationships saying we're going to create a happy family and we're all going to, love to live together and love together and it's all going to be this, that, and other, and we're going to, you know, walk you know, uh, golden auras into the future together. I mean, it doesn't have to be like that. Kill, you know, grandchildren and children are vile as much as they're beautiful and lovely as well, aren't they? <laughs> well, the thing of, that, that's great is, you, is at this age, you do not have to operate as a unit and see your families together. You are, If you don't want to, you don't have to. You yeah. don't, some people travel separately. Some people go do their hobbies separately. People decide what they want to do together and what they want to do apart. Yeah. And that works for all these couples. And that's the point, isn't it? That's where resilience is coming because you've learned the lessons from previous relationships. And you've got the, the maturity and the wherewithal to state what you want and to and to, and to build something together, but also apart as well. So you're not completely consumed by each other. No, you're not. You have a sense of perspective. You've lived yeah. through many things. You understand what's important and what doesn't matter a damn. Yeah. And so you let the unimportant things go. And if, if your partner you know, annoys you or if you feel hurt, you remind yourself that this isn't a big deal. You're strong enough. You've been through far worse and you just move on. Yeah. So um, who did you write this for? I mean, is it a dusty academic tome or is it, um, oh, you know, no, what, no. What, what's it for? Who's it for? This is for the average person who would come to me and say, Francine, how do I do it? I, I want, I would like to be in a relationship. And um, it's very readable, it's very casual. I do cite a lot of experts, but I also interview many, many people who tell the stories of how they eventually found the love that you know, they are in now, that they are so happy in. Because people, for a lot of, for some people it was easy. They went on a few dates and they were both really together people and they just clicked and it was great. Other people really had to work on themselves for years and years and years 
try different relationships, analyze what went, what wasn't good in their past relationships and pick a better person and behave in a different way. Yeah, sort of real life in other words. Exactly, hey, real life. Who'd have thought? <laughs> so yeah. um, was that, having done all this research and talked to all these people, was there something that you found out that you were surprised at? That sort of was something that was unexpected, that popped out? I think, I think I did not realize at first the extent to which the, the couples in their 70s and 80s so treasured each other and in fact did not worry about dying. Mm. They just lived every day and were living in the moment and enjoying each other. And um, it's younger people who worry about mortality. Mm. Yeah, it's that is interesting. Uh, you would have thought it the other way around. So that's quite fascinating. Mm. And so are there any plans to write a second book? And if so, what things would you cover that perhaps you would like to give more attention to? Well, one correction is this is my second book. The first sure. one was, was about how siblings deal with each other around their parents' aging, and that's called They're Your Parents Too. Mm. I don't, I, it took me 10 years to get another idea for a book, so I think I'm going to be writing articles for a while until I get another great idea. <laughs> and this is great enough. And so, um, how, so tell us the title. How do we get hold of it? Where can we find it? It's called Love After 50, how to find it, enjoy it, and keep it. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it anywhere. It's published by a major publisher in the, in the US and the UK, Simon & Schuster. Um, and just look for it online, Love After 50, Francine Russo. And I think you sent me an early copy of it online. So um, yes, I had I a good old read of it. So yes, yes, that was good. Yes, I thoroughly you. enjoyed it. And it is actually very, it is very, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of amusing without being funny and it's sort of it's very kind and um but with a with a little twinkle in its eye at the same time well, thank you i'm so glad you feel that way i did learn to have a lot of compassion for people and suspend my judgment because it's really hard to work on yourself and it's really hard to see things clearly. But all of the people I interviewed who ended up in incredibly happy relationships did do that work on themselves. Yeah, that is really And they true. did become resilient and they're very happy and, you know, good for them. Yeah, absolutely. That's the point, isn't it? I mean, we all deserve happiness. So that's a lower our expectations of find it, work at it. And, um, and it comes to you, doesn't it? It's as simple as that. It does. Yeah. It does. Francine, it's been a joy to talk to you again tonight. And to, it's a while since we've spoken again, but it's lovely to talk to you again. So uh, thank you for finishing it and um, good luck with it. And I, I'm sure it's going to be an absolute triumph. I'm absolutely positive of it. Thank you very much. You take care. You too. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed, and if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. 
For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.